What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Training camp is in full swing, and our dynamic duo, I'm still going to keep calling it that no matter what the Martez half of this uh, duo has to say. I am Trey Downey, and like I said, the uh, Martez half of this show this dynamic duo lynn martez lynn you were out there at training camp again this weekend you were there both days last weekend you're ready to talk some football we had a game on thursday night next weekend we will be uh previewing and talk about talking about some buccaneers preseason football it is getting closer and closer my friend oh absolutely here's the thing though too don't let anyone tell you that People don't watch and they're not dying for preseason football. Goodness, did you see the ratings from the other night? You brought up Thursday night. Neither yeah. quarterback played. Ben didn't play. Dak didn't play. Seven million people watched that dag on that. Ridiculous. Like, random Thursday night, and I get it, Hall of Fame game, and I get it, two-storied NFL franchises, but no Horrible one played in that game, <laughs> and people still watched. That's how we are about going forward a week from today when the Bucks play Cincinnati and the, the following Saturday and the following Saturday after that. The good thing about it, I'm sure the players are probably happy. I'm probably a little happy because I got one out today at camp. Uh, no more Saturday training camp days. Fans, got to find another day to, to, uh, to go to training camp because you got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then uh, that's it. Yeah, definitely. Training camp, definitely uh, the schedule and the feel of it kind of changes once the preseason games get rolling. And it feels almost like a normal week when you're there during the, the regular season. You get to watch practice a practices lot more. Are like, yeah, practices are like the, the regular season, dude. I mean, when yeah. it comes, once exhibition season starts, that's how practices are. So, you know, we're moving along very quickly. I mean, today's the 7th of August, but in seven days, we're going to have the Bucks playing an actual game. Curious to see how things work out there because Bruce Arians, he talked to the media today, talked in regards to young players making plays and young players missing plays. And hopefully they make those plays once we start playing games and I'm quoting him or they're not going to be here. So, um, yeah, you got a lot of spots that need to be figured out below the, uh, you know, below the. 25 or 30 players that have probably already made this football team. But uh, I'm curious to see how things pan out when it comes to various positions on this team and the depth on this team. We are going to get into all of that today. We're going to break down Gitlin's takeaways from what he saw at camp last week, Sunday, and then today as we are recording this on Saturday. So we'll get Lynn's takeaways on that. We'll talk about the big news item of the week that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers extended Todd Bowles and made him the highest paid coordinator in the NFL. And then another Buccaneer is going into the Hall of Fame this Hall of Fame weekend. John Lynch will be enshrined in Canton on Sunday night. So we will reminisce. He's not going to be inducted this weekend because he's going to be there. He's going to be there. Tom already left for Canton. He's already already in Canton. He's going there to watch... Peyton. Peyton get inducted. Peyton with Bruce, they're both in. Uh, they're both in Peyton's Peyton's party there. Yeah, the yeah. In the words, in the words of 
the recently released, asked for release, uh, WWE superstar, wrestling legend, Ric Flair, Jet Flying, Limousine Riding, and Bruce and uh, Tom will be doing just that. I got to drop you some wrestling every podcast dude because you know how you are you're a nerd you gotta yeah, I know. You got your little wrestling banner you got your little wrestling banner in the background so i gotta don't, give it to you don't get me started on even more releases what is this company uh up to uh, and you're but, still watching so they, they yeah they i know just keep doing yeah, what they do yeah 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 exactly. yeah yeah i know uh a lot of people aren't though so but back to lunch yeah smackdown was smackdown was in uh was in tampa last night uh by the way. So uh, typically you see a lot of the, the Bucks guys out there. I did not see any in the, in the crowd at Amelie arena last night, but Pat McAfee dropped a ton of Tampa Bay lightning references, but yes, back to John Lynch. He will be enshrined in Canton Sunday night. Uh, so we will close this podcast out by reminiscing a little bit about John Lynch and his great career with the Buccaneers and then with the Denver Broncos. But as we always start with a little bit of a quick social reminder, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmart810. As you saw last weekend and this weekend, when he's out there at training camp, he's providing you with what's going on out there. Tons of photos, great content from Lynn at Bucks Training Camp. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and then follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation. Not only Lynn, but the rest of the great team of writers that we have there churning out great content throughout this Buccaneers training camp and really ramping it up once we get into the season. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, click that subscribe button. It helps us out. It makes it where more people see this podcast comes up in more searches, things like that, and leave us a review. We want to make this show as best as possible for you. So we want to know what you like, what you don't like, what we can do more of, what we can do less of. But now, Lynn, let's get into it. We talked last Saturday about what you saw out there in the first day of pads. You've been out there two days since. So let's talk about some of the things that you saw. I'm going to go off of some of the things that I saw churning on social media, some of the things that a lot of people were talking about uh, this week and today. And one of the big items of discussion, we talked about him last week a little bit, but one of the things that I saw today was people talking about OJ Howard and his progression as he has gotten more out there on the field. Bruce Arians was even asked about him uh, after practice today. Uh, I believe he said, based on the injury, he's a, he is about where you expect him to be, still has a ways to go. But just want to get your take on you saw him out there last Saturday. Was he doing Was he doing more today? I saw definitely that Tom Brady was looking for him uh, during some of the, the uh, team period drills. No, absolutely. He, he was doing more today. Um, ironically, because he was doing more, you found out that he may not be, as Bruce said, in, in you know, tip-top football shape as of yet. Remember, the, the rest of this team has been doing something since March. April, the way these guys train now, I mean, TB12 and, and regards to working out at different fields unofficially. So, you know, OJ's got a lot of catching up to do. I don't think he had the, the, the best of practices today because he certainly had some drops. Yeah, I saw that. One, he had one drop that was certainly on him. And there was another drop that he kind of gestured after the play that it was behind him. And 12 
throwing a football to you. <laughs> and granted, it may have been behind you, but OJ, number 80, you got two hands on it. And you know what Tom expects? Tom expects if you get two hands on it, you got to catch it. Because remember, there were times during James Winston's career here that we had a few balls go off of wide receivers and tight ends' hands, including OJ Howard, that turned into picks. And I'm telling you now, that's not going to be happening. That's not going to be cool with 12. 12's not going to have his balls batted in the air to, to have them intercepted. Not going to happen. You go across the middle, it's going to throw the football to you, catch it, or else 87 is going to be the tight end that gets the most targets on this football team. Boy, I watched that boy today. And again, like I said last week, he is like a brontosaurus, dude. He's like a dinosaur. You watch him come <laughs> off the line, and he's like, he's, it's almost like he's moving in slow motion. But you know what he does? I told you last week. He finds holes and Tom knows where to get him the football. It's almost, it's almost kind of like, like, like you're wondering how he does it because he's not out running people. He's not out jumping people. He's, and he's not, it's almost, it's not like he's positioning himself like a rebound in the NBA. He's just finding holes in the, in the defense. And that's how smart 87 is. No matter how you see him uh, talk and party and, you know, fist pump into some techno on boats and having his own music festivals. When it comes to football, that guy knows his stuff. And you mentioned OJ. We've talked about OJ a lot here on this podcast and how big of a year it is for him, not just because he's coming off of an injury, but because it is a contract year for him. And we've also talked about it is it goes unsaid how much Tom Brady trusts Rob Gronkowski. And we've talked about recently how much Brady's trust in Cam Brate has grown as we saw last year in the playoffs, especially that Washington game. We've gone over it on third down. Who did he go to? He went to Cam Brate. So if you're OJ Howard and you're having some of these drops in training camp, you've got to develop that trust with Tom Brady because if there are two other guys that he trusts that much, where where are your targets going to go to? And I think did you mention something about uh, Tanner Hudson today as well? I think yes, ready to go. There yes, with so you. that's what I'm because that's where I, that's where I'm going to go because if Tanner Hudson is having a good camp and a good preseason, I wouldn't be shocked to see OJ Howard put on the trade block before the season starts for a team that needs a tight end. The only problem with that is is whether or not he's proven between now and the start of the regular season that he's at 100. percent That's the issue. Yeah. But when, when it comes to 88 and Tanner Hudson, the dude doesn't drop anything. And I know for a couple of years now, we've watched him play kind of like fourth quarter exhibition games and the connection he has with Ryan Griffin and, you know, catching seven balls and a hundred, you know, a hundred yards and a touchdown catch. We saw it in mini camp with Kyle Trask. The bottom line is the dude has hands. And he may not be, you can question his blocking as far as the tight end is concerned. When you play two tight ends, guess what? One of the two is assigned to blocking. So you can play Tanner Hudson in a two tight end offense. And in that two tight end offense, you don't have to assign him to block. He can run patterns. And guess what? Again, he is going to catch the football. I've yet to see him drop two in a row. 
And I watch with OT today, unfortunately. But Tanner, Tanner continues to make plays and catch the football. And granted, most of the time, now it's with Blaine Gabbitt, the, the backup quarterback, currently the backup quarterback. <laughs> you know how you are. Um, but when it comes to, again, a guy, the guy's hands, all he does is catch the football and continuously does it. All right, so let's let's move on now to another guy that was talked about last week and talking about the wide receiver position and Scotty Miller. And Scotty Miller is a guy who Bruce Arians was saying he needs to get more grimy. He needs to, you know, go over the middle. I'm not sure if it was today, but I saw at some point this week that Scotty Miller went across the middle, took a big hit from Antoine Winfield and still came up with the ball. And you got to believe those were the kind of plays that Bruce Arians was talking about when he said he wanted Scotty Miller to get grimy. Absolutely, because there's going to come a time where he can't just be a guy that's going to be out uh, on the outside and, and just run 20, 30 yards down the field. They're going to, if, if you want him to eventually be the third wide receiver on his football team, and I'm certainly not saying he's going to be in 2022 uh, because this team is deep at the wide receiver position, and it could be Tyler Johnson, it could be Jalen Darden, the rookie who's having a pretty good camp. But Scotty Miller is getting his opportunities with the number ones. And he has the trust of Tom Brady. But to continue to have that trust, he's got to develop as far as a route runner is concerned. And that includes going across the middle and making a plays that you mentioned just like that. Because the other guys, the three guys ahead of him right now, they do it. They do it automatically. The three of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And if you want to be the fourth guy, if you want to be the third wide receiver, come 2022 or 2023, then you're going to have to make those plays that those guys are making now. That's the thing. See, if you're going to replace a guy, you got to do what that guy does, if not as good or better. Scotty yeah. Miller has to develop those skills that one of, the, one of the three wide receivers that are the top three right now do on a consistent basis. All right, let's talk about those two guys, those other two guys that you just mentioned, Jalen Darden and Tyler Johnson. Johnson made headlines earlier this week. He admitted that he came into training camp a little bit out of shape. That is not something that Bruce Arians likes to see. You mentioned Jalen Darden having a pretty good camp to start out as a rookie. Bruce Arians spoke about him today. I believe Jalen Darden also spoke to the media. Is this a situation where you've already got four very solid wide receivers and is is Jalen Darden in a position already where he could possibly be pushing uh, Tyler Johnson as far as getting reps at receiver and not just on special teams? Well, his, I mean, we've got, we've got three games to kind of figure that out. Uh, would I be surprised if it happened? No. But when you're a rookie wide receiver coming into the league, like Jalen Darden, there's a lot of things that he has to develop. I mean, we talked about it with, with Scotty Miller in regards to the Grammy catches and being able to go across the middle and, and run those routes. The good thing about Jalen Darden is that he's already doing that now. I mean, if you want to take those two wide receivers, Scotty Miller and Jalen Darden, and say that Jalen Darden is ahead of where Scotty Miller was his rookie season, I would sign off on that because he is. He just is because he's going across the middle right now, making plays, his route running includes different routes as opposed to just trying to run past people. And this isn't a knock on Scotty Miller because we talked about it and we talked in regards to the competition that he had 
at, at the, the college football level. But Darden is similar competition level. Similar competition. Similar competition. But if you watch his route running now, he hasn't even played a he hasn't even played an exhibition game yet. And he's already running the patterns that you want to see a guy develop moving into the NFL. Not to mention the fact that he's probably going to be the kickoff return guy on his football team. Mike Evans brought it up. Mike talked to the media today and Mike Evans brought it up. And I asked Jalen Darden in regards to Mike saying that he's going to be that guy. And, and, and Jalen, you know, wisely said, I control what I can control. I'm going to do everything I can, you know, to be the guy, but you know, that's not my decision. The good thing about Jalen ironically, and he talked about it today is, is that um, he's accustomed to tough, hard-nosed coaching because Bruce earlier in camp, he, you know, kind of gave Jalen a hard time and uh, Jalen was asked about it today. And Jalen just flat out said, man, I've been getting that from my mom in Boston <laughs> football for, for the longest. I had a five touchdown game and she got mad at me because I fumbled. Can you, I mean, can you realize, can you think, think about that? You go out there, you get a triple double and coach is mad or your mom is mad because you had one turnover. He had five touchdowns in a game and his mom was mad because he had a fumble. <laughs> not one, not two, not three, not four, five touchdown games. And mom was upset because he had a fumble. So he's accustomed to the hard-nosed coaching. And uh, he, he said it today. He's like, I wake up to it every day. He's woken up to it every day with his mother. So, you know, Bruce getting on him about certain things or anyone else getting on about certain things, kid gets it. He gets it. For sure. And I mean, if you have the dedication and what it takes to get to the NFL, you're probably going to have those kind of people in your life and you're going to have to deal with that kind of that kind of stuff. And that's why Jalen Darden is a rookie wide receiver on the defending Super Bowl champions right now. But you usually get it. It's usually a male figure that you for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and, and granted, there are certainly plenty of stories in regards to mothers, mothers being the number one fan of their sons and pushing them like Jalen's mom pushed him. But it's usually a coach or a dad who yep. has been that influence. But in this case, in Jalen Darden's case, and in some other cases, it's mom. Five TDs, and he had a fumble, and she was mad. If she's out there at some point during camp, I bet the, a lot of the media will uh, gravitate towards her to get some of her uh, takes and maybe some stories on young Jalen Darden. Before we move on and maybe get some of your takes on what you saw on the defensive side of the ball, I want to just stay on wide receiver for a few more minutes. You mentioned Mike Evans spoke to the media today. I saw something from uh, Carmen Vitale. On uh, from the Buccaneers on Twitter, uh, an absolutely phenomenal catch that Mike Evans made over Carlton Davis with Carlton Davis providing great defense. I still think Mike Evans is one of the more underrated players in the entire NFL, definitely the most underrated wide receiver. And more, uh, more of that came up this week. Some Buccaneers Twitter, uh, some local media members, Taylor Jenkins, uh, now working out in Plant City, formerly of Pewter Report, uh, put something out there as far as Antonio Brown, when he's at his best, is the best wide receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you've spoken glowingly 
about Antonio Brown and what he has done on the football field so far. Uh, Antonio Brown, when he was at his absolute best, was phenomenal. But to go that far and saying that right now when he's at his best, he is better not only than just Chris Godwin, which I might give you a little bit of argument for, but he's better than Mike Evans. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn with that approach to think that Antonio's better than Mike. Now, listen, here's the thing about Antonio. There was a time that, like it or not, sixth round pick, and he made himself into the best wide receiver in the NFL. You can bring up the other, you can bring up the other names, but the, there was a point, whether it was 2016, 17, 18, when he was in Pittsburgh, uh, Facebook and live, and after playoff games, Mike Tomlin's post-game speeches, which got him into trouble in Pittsburgh, he was the best receiver in the NFL. Guy was, was on the cover of Madden, solo. Here's the thing about when it comes to Michael, even Chris, and granted that was three or four years ago, Mike and or Chris have never been that number one guy. That's not to say that Antonio Brown is still that same guy from three or four years ago, because I don't think that he is. But I will tell you this much, and I keep telling you this, that dude is a beast. And he is, he is clearly, I don't know if you did your homework or not, but he is clearly the best third wide receiver in the NFL. Not to mention the fact that, um, Obviously, I'm going to mention it. So I mentioned the fact that there was a point in practice today that I watched Antonio Brown, and this was basically one-on-one drill, quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback. And it was Tom and Antonio working against one of the, the corners. And Antonio ran a route. He eluded the initial contact at the line. And he rode his defender past the point where contact could be made. Literally, he's running step to step. Like he wants this person right on top of him. And then about 12 yards downfield, he doesn't push off. Have you seen other guys do where they literally take their hands and push them off? Antonio, who his strength is underrated, at, I don't know, six feet, six one, maybe 190. He leans into him, not push. You can't even see it, Trey. He leans into him to create separation. And you know what you got? You got Antonio running the in pattern, balls there from Tom. And before you look up, there is about two and a half, three yards between Antonio Brown and that defender. That's the difference between that guy. He avoids the contact initially at the line of scrimmage, and then he creates his own space and separation, even though you don't think he's that big enough to do it. And I watched him do it today, and I just shook my head and said, that dude, look, we can sit here and we can talk about all the 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 off-the-field shenanigans and all the things that happen between Pittsburgh and and, uh, the Raiders and the stuff that's happened in Broward County and Florida and all that kind of stuff. But on the field, other than, you know, a few curse words that he shouted out on Saturday, on the field, the dude is still a beast, man. He's still a beast. And Even at 32, 33 years old. 
you're seeing that up close and personal. And I hope he can be that guy for the Buccaneers. And I'm going to take the L already based on what we've heard and what I've seen on social media, as far as me thinking that Tyler Johnson could take snaps from him this year, based on everything I've heard that that I'll take the, I'll take the L on that one for sure. I still believe in Tyler Johnson think he can develop, but he's obviously not where anywhere close to where Antonio Brown is right now. I just have the issue with saying maybe he's making some flashy plays in training camp, but man, Dude's not better than Mike Evans, point blank. Period. No, I, 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 and I, I, I don't, I don't disagree. But <laughs> I tell you, who likes him? Twelve likes him, man. Twelve yeah. targets him. Mike, Mike Evans even spoke about it at practice today, post practice, in regards to the number of targets he had last year. It was a career low for him yeah. in regards to targets, and that's because you got one A or one B on the other side, and fourteen and Chris Godwin. And I've already talked to you about Antonio. When Antonio plays, he's going to get eight to ten targets. I will say this, though. The Bucks' offense was at their best last year when Mike Evans was getting those targets. There were games where Mike Evans was not getting any targets as well, and that's when the Bucks' offense looked stagnant. I think for the Bucks to continue where they were late in the season and through the playoffs, I think Mike Evans' targets are going to need to be up this year for sure. I'm just, okay. just going to go out and – come out and say that okay that's fine but there are a lot of variables that were involved with the team not playing well offensively when you're talking about it wasn't just about targeting mike evans it was about how they changed the language to the offense how doing things that tom wanted to do that suited tom because that that was one of the biggest things that happened in 2020 Leftwich and tom got together it was like Let's do this. Let's do what you like doing. Because I told you last week, and I'll continue to say this as long as I'm on this beautiful God-fearing earth. And that is when you're a leader, a coach, a manager, I don't care what you're doing. When you have people that rely on you, it is your responsibility to put them in the best position to succeed. And that's exactly what the Bucks did when it came to adjusting things to what Tom liked doing. For sure. And I completely agree with you that there were a lot of factors into it. I'm just saying that the best performances with this offense last year coincided with Mike Evans getting more targets. And I thought that the offense flowed better when uh, Mike was getting the ball. That That's all I'm going to say when it comes to that. That's all Lynn, I got to say about that, Forrest. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go with this Forrest Gump stuff again. Uh, so let's, let's move on. Uh, anything in particular – else that stuck out to you especially on the defensive side of the ball we focused completely uh on offense this week uh, i saw not necessarily today but i saw a lot throughout the week as far as the progression of number nine joe tryon and bruce arians talking about him beating some uh veteran offensive linemen in one-on-ones uh did tryon stick out to you today anything else from the defensive side of the ball two things one yeah one with one play with the number nine and joe tryon whether it was last Sunday or even today. Yeah, the, Tristan Wirfs was asked about this after practice today and the, the advantages that Joe Tryon has because he's got long arms. He's, he's fast. He has, I mean, when you start talking about a toolbox, he's got a lot inside his toolbox and he's going through his first training camp. I mean, we're talking about 
the God-given ability and still learning how to use all that stuff moving forward and being in his defense with Todd Bowles and having guys to learn from like Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, who, by the way, is another guy I want to talk about when you brought up number nine. Let's bring up number 90 because number 90 is in his 12th season, 32 years old in his third year in, in his defense. Remember, when this defense first got here, when Todd Bowles first got here, and Bruce Arians first got here, where there was talk about, you know, they're going to, you know, play a 3-4, they're going to have JPP stand up, and people were like, including myself, people were like, how's that going to work? And I asked Bruce about, Bruce about it today in regards to the 32-year-old, 12-year vet dropping in coverage to where 14, Chris Godwin, is behind him. JPP has reinvented himself. We saw it last year with all the interceptions, man. Exactly. And Bruce answered my question with regards to he should have had three yeah. too. But no, I, and I understand last year he had the picks, but Trey, today he was 12, 15 yards downfield, dude. Crazy. Dropping. And Bruce brings up the flexibility it gives the defense and the advantage it gives over the offense, their opponent, because you line up five guys on the defensive line and they don't know who's coming. Yeah. That's huge because whether it be Tryon dropping in coverage, whether it be Shaq Barrett, who I watched do today too, Jason Pierre-Paul dropping in coverage, Anthony Nelson dropping in coverage, all those guys can drop in coverage. They don't know who's coming and going. That Except is, for Vita Vea. I'm not expecting uh, big number 50 dropping back oh, in coverage. You, you, didn't, you didn't watch his touchdowns, man. When in Atlanta, I guess that was a couple of years ago in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Don't, sell, don't sell that man short. Oh, no. The, the fat guy touchdown is probably my favorite play uh, in he the entire just, NFL. I mean, I understand. He got a I'm not. I'm saying the, the fat guy <laughs> touchdown. Come on, yeah, Lynn. I know. I know. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you call him fat. I'm just saying. I'm not body shaming anyone here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though I've lost a little like bit of I know, weight, I'm a know, hefty getting guy getting at heart here. Getting all, getting all cocky because you're under 200 pounds. You do, you do a little Exactly 200 today, by the way. Okay. Not not in the not okay. under 200 yet. It's coming, though. No, 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 no little slash in front of your weight column yet. No one there. Huh? Okay. No, not yet. Right. Well, God bless you. Good for you. <laughs> All right. Stop body Lin- shaming. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking, we're talking about the defense. So let's talk about the head of that defense, Todd Bowles. It was uh, reported earlier this week by Adam Schefter of ESPN has signed a contract extension with the Buccaneers, making him the highest paid coordinator in the NFL, but it is, it does not, preclude him from taking any other head coaching jobs and to me just the biggest takeaway from all of this was this was well earned from Todd Bowles he deserves that kind of recognition and pay from the Glazers but as was mentioned by Schefter it doesn't take away from him getting another head coaching job in the NFL and both you and I think he's going to be on the Bucks very short list when Bruce Arians does decide to walk off into the sunset. I will say this, the fact that Bruce is where he is in his career and Bowles is going to be, like I said, going to be making more than any other assistant in the NFL. I think it might make him a little bit more selective. Should Bruce decide to come back for another year after this year, I think it might help with that, but 
if the right job comes along, I still think Todd Bowles would take the opportunity to get back into head coaching, uh, no matter what his contract looks like here with the Buccaneers. That is a we don't know if um, we got a little Jimbo Fisher Bobby Bowden action. Head by coach in waiting built yeah, into by, that deal. By the way, uh, prayers and, and best wishes to to Bobby Bowden, who for sure uh, I had the pleasure of having on my radio show years ago when I was working in Blacksburg, Virginia, and the man was sweet as pie. He gave me 10 minutes of his time on the air during game week, game week. So he was, he was awesome. And obviously you wish you wish Bobby and the family the best. So, uh, but again, when I heard this deal in regards to Bowles and, and uh, Arians, and I just had the feeling of Jimbo and, and Bobby, um, we, you know, Bruce certainly wants to have a second Super Bowl, wants to win a second one. Why wouldn't he? And he has that opportunity this year. But can you see him coaching two more years, a year after this one? I think there's going to come a time where he's going to decide that, you know, if this team wins another Super Bowl, and I'm not trying to pull the cart before the horse, but if you win another one, what more does he have to do? 100% agree is, with you. Now, the question is, you know, you've got potentially two coaches mm-hmm. in waiting here. And that's, you know, that's that's the good stuff, man. I mean, it's good because it's intriguing. Not good in a way where, uh, you know, it, it's good ice cream. It's good in a way where it's like, where does this leave Byron Leftwich? Because, and I'm not saying they're not going to take care of him at some point too, meaning the Buccaneers uh, ownership. But as of right now, you know, he, he hasn't been taken care of as of yet. And if you, you can talk about Todd Bowles and what he's been able to do with that defense, and he's certainly been able to do a whole lot. We watched in February 2021 and what they were able to do against, you know, maybe the, the, the most prolific quarterback in the NFL right now, Patrick Mahomes. You can have that argument another day. But we watched Bowles' defense, how they dismantled the Chiefs' offense. Well, the, I mean, people talk about the, the Chiefs offensive line. You know what they still had out there? <laughs> they had Mahomes still out there. They had Kelsey still out there. They had their weapons still out there. They had Hill. They still had their weapons out there. Yep. So, you know, Clyde Edwards, uh, Alaire, they still had their weapons out there. So my point is, is that Bowles is on that. Bowles is ascending. But let's not forget Byron Leftwich and this offense did the things that they did, as you mentioned, the latter part of the season and how they were able – to transform to as good as they were running that seven game winning streak or eight game winning streak, including the playoffs and the Super Bowl. They don't do that without, again, Tom and Byron getting together and doing what they had to do. And again, that just shows me that Byron gets it. He gets it. And he, you know, he's in his mid forties. And if he doesn't get the head coaching job here, guess what? He's going to get one in the NFL. For sure. And if you want to talk about, you know, if Tom Brady were to stay here longer than Bruce Arians, even though I think it's kind of intertwined between those two, you'd probably want to keep the continuity of Byron Leftwich with the Tom Brady still here. So if you get into a situation where Bruce does decide to hang it up and Tom's like, 
I'm still, I'm still going to go. I'm going to go till, till I'm 50. I don't think he's going to go that far, but if he decides to play another season or two after this one, and you're in a situation with the Bucks where if the Bucks win another Super Bowl, I, I'll go out and say it right now. I think if the Bucks win the Super Bowl back-to-back this coming year, they're raising that Lombardi trophy in SoFi Stadium in L.A. in early 2022. Come September 2022, no matter if Bruce Arians hangs it up or not, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich are both head coaches on opening day 2022, in my opinion, if the Bucks win another Super Bowl. That I just... I just don't see how you can pass to say. the the only thing that I will say when when talking about those we've been saying for years now that there is no question that Eric Bieniemy is going to be a head coach and he's still not so and it does when teams fire coaches they like to get the hire done quickly and when teams advance far into the playoffs it kind of precludes you from interviewing and hiring those guys so you would have to wait to get a bowls or a left witch. So that, that would be the only thing, but I think it would be crazy if both of those guys aren't head coaches. If you're part of a staff that wins back-to-back Super Bowls and something that we haven't seen since the Patriots did it way back in Super Bowls 38 and 39. Uh, so that's my take on that. And if the Bucks have to choose and you've got Tom Brady coming back, that's going to be that's going to be a really tough dichotomy. Juicy. Yeah, for That's sure. That's why I said it's good and not not good in the sense where, like I said, mm, ice cream, yeah. mm, Publix chicken tender stuff. <laughs> no, not in that sense good. I mean in sense good where it's intriguing and it's a whole lot of talk that can be done here in Tampa Bay when, when it comes to winning back to potentially winning back-to-back Super Bowls and deciding which and having Bruce ride off to the, into the sunset. And deciding which one of these coordinators is the heir apparent to Bruce winning back-to-back Super Bowls. I think if Tom Brady were to retire too, I think the choice is easy. I think that it is Bowles. But if Brady were to come back, I think that that's when it complicates things and you want to keep that continuity going. Uh, let's. We talked about a Lombardi trophy and possibly a second Lombardi trophy back-to-back. Let's talk about a guy that hoisted a Lombardi trophy out in California, which the Bucks might do in 2022, all the way back in 2003, and that's number 47, John Lynch. He's going to be enshrined in Canton. He takes his rightful place in the Hall of Fame this weekend. Even after he had the, the great run with the Bucks and that defense and Tony Dungy's defense and then John Gruden taking over, he left and went to the Denver Broncos and played phenomenally well for them as well Is in the ring of honor for her, both teams, which you don't see many players ever do that. So people know how I feel about another member of the Bucks secondary making, making the hall of fame and how I thought he might be a little bit more hall of fame worthy than, uh, than John Lynch, but John Lynch certainly hall of fame worthy and he deserves this slot in Canton and, Man, you want to talk about guys that safeties that could make big hits? John Lynch personified that in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, no, he's he definitely is a throwback. Ironically, you may not be able to play the way John plays now. No way. The way John played. But for me, when it when it comes to John Lynch and watching him play as a safety, a position that I, you know, I I played certainly at, at 
low, 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 lower level. But I appreciated the guys that played like John. And you know, John, I almost think he's a I almost think he's a linebacker in today's NFL. Yeah, my he's he's not as he's not as big as 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 a linebacker. But here's the thing when it comes for me, when it comes to John Lynch and watching him play. He set the standard for guys that came through in the 2000s, the yachts. He set the standard for Troy Palomalo, yep. for Donovan Darius, for Bob Sanders. He set the standard for those guys who went on to have productive NFL careers. And Reed, I mean, we're talking about super, we're talking about guys who made the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yep. Super Super Bowl winning pieces to teams. That I mean, again, Hall of Fame guys. John Lynch set the standard for those guys. As as smart as uh, Ed Reed is known to be on the football field, John set that standard. He set the standard for all those guys I mentioned, for all those guys who played the way they played. Downhill, being the eighth man in the box, also being able to play tight ends, also cover guys in the slot that came at you coming off the line. Whatever it is, John set that standard. And because of that, this weekend, long overdue because of the influence. That's the thing about being a Hall of Famer. Being a Hall of Famer certainly is about what you were able to do in your sport and your productivity, but it's also about the influence you had on the game too. And John had a huge influence on guys who played after him. Can't wait to see John Lynch's speech on Sunday night. Uh, you got it done with John Lynch, Ira Kaufman. You want to talk about uh, another guy that revolutionized a certain position in the NFL? Let's get number 20 in the Hall of Fame next year. You want to talk about overdue. The guy revolutionized the slot corner position in the NFL, and I think you can still say he's the best slot corner in the history of the NFL, and it's an every-down position in today's NFL. Let's get Rondé Barber up in Canton as well. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Downey and Martez Bucks Nation podcast. Next week, Len and I are going to have to work out some scheduling. I don't know if we're going to record on, on Saturday before the preseason game or if we'll come to you a day later to break down what happens on Saturday night against Cincinnati. I think I'm leaning towards after the preseason game if that's uh if that's cool with you there mr martez yeah i was gonna ask so you doing this show by yourself you're doing this podcast by yourself i'm leaning towards i said i'm leaning towards but i was asking i said you and i are gonna have to work out the scheduling for sure it makes sense no yeah it makes it makes sense yeah so we'll we'll come to you one day later next week to talk about what happens we'll get to see kyle trask versus blaine gabbert in action I'll be able to talk about it. Spew my nonsense next week. Until then. I'm glad you said so. You used the word nonsense, and that's exactly what it's been. Until then, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. Remember, check us out on BucksNation.com. We'll talk to you next week.